Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? Good. Uh, you had your air sports debut last weekend. <laughs> uh, very much enjoyable. The game was great. The punditry was very good. And you got a lot of social media buzz as well. I did get a bit of buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the old buttons were uh, <laughs> were at uh, standing to attention. I was... Uh, kind of bird's eye view here the, as well. Yeah, the shirt, the shirt was was under a little bit of pressure, Will. Uh, just back from my holidays. So I uh, <laughs> haven't been training much and probably ate a bit too... A few, a few too many pies. Um, but leaving that aside I thought it was a good start uh, with a lot of fun I thought Tommy was really really good I was really impressed I think that's a really difficult job uh, you know presenting live live television is, is really difficult so I was really impressed with that I think he's only going to go uh, oh, sorry only going to go uh, from strength to strength uh, and I think we will as well we'll grow into a little bit I suppose I have a little bit of experience um, in the role I haven't done a fair bit of it last year and I've been involved in this and uh, you know the left wing before that on, on Facebook live so um a little bit of experience, um, and I thought I was, you know, I was happy enough at the start. But I think we're only going from strength to strength, to be honest. And were you reading the social media feedback about your? I did, there was no need. I, I got. A, I was in my my lads' WhatsApp group, and they just it was on fire. Like it was absolutely like when I <laughs> turned was, on the what phone. What was being was, said? Just for a little taste. Ah, uh, well, I was at a wedding the next day. I had an exam the next day, and then I was at a wedding afterwards. And they literally, anytime I went anywhere near them, they were going pew pew pew. As <laughs> in, if the the buttons were were kind of making the the noise of buttons flying off the shirt. Um, it was fairly rootless stuff, to be honest with you. Yeah, anytime well, I went near my desserts or anywhere where mash, mash, there was mashed potatoes in the in the main course, everyone was saying, "Really? Do you need that? Are you sure?" Uh, that kind of stuff. So it was all in jest, I think. Um, definitely need to probably get a few new shirts, though. <laughs> Gav's laughing. I don't know what you're laughing over over there, Gav. <laughs> well, it's funny. Someone tweeted me and was just like, "You know, tell Luke that he needs to go on the Atkins site," and then they said, "At Luke Fitz 11. So I was like, "Well, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, don't, know you don't know what you're asking me. Like, you just, just tagged you in it. Like, you know, no oh, need to ask." I don't, I, don't, so I don't need to ask you. I can just... What a gobshite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so look, not a great start wardrobe-wise, but um, other than that, I thought it was good. Uh, really happy with it. Um, and I think as well, like the more rugby that's been played during the season, I think, you know, we'll, we'll build up more of a, uh, I think we'll build up more of an ease and rapport amongst each other. Uh, and we'll probably get more comfortable with all the different technologies. I took a bit of a flyer at it um, on the, uh, sorry, on... Uh, Friday night uh, it was the first time we'd, we'd seen it now I'd used it a little bit of in here before mm. um, but still it was a bit different doing it on live TV um, it actually went well I think so uh, I was happy enough with it And um, were you nervous doing live television? 
No, not really. No, no, no not, not too much. No, no. Like you still get nervous. The first bit, once you get your first bit out of the way, I think you settle in nicely. So you just want to make sure you're fairly clear and you don't try and make too many points to start, which is always uh, <laughs> a difficult thing for me to stop actually prattling on as I'm kind of doing now. But um, yeah, so like, I mean, trying, trying to be clear and concise to start off always helps you out and sort of helps you settle in. Yeah, it's actually, it was a really good, selection of games over the weekend like Ulster Scarlet was very enjoyable Connacht Glasgow was a cracker Munster Cheetahs less so but Leinster Cardiff was brilliant as well but overall I'd be interested to get your thoughts on because I saw Stephen Jones talking about it and everyone naturally jumps down his throat but I think he has a good point here like the Aviva Premiership teams were locked and loaded pretty much like I really enjoyed the rugby that was on show over the weekend but mm. it's a Leinster second string or, or even third string playing Cardiff Blues like I can take the game on its own and say it was a great game, but as a, as a whole, as a product, like it, it, it's not great when you're not seeing the good players playing regularly in the league, is it? Oh, look, I, th I think it's a challenge for the league. I think they've definitely identified that. Uh, they're trying to get their guys playing more and more, but... Like, but um, they can't really do anything. It's the RFU. And, they're, and no, the RFU is, are right like, to do it from an Irish perspective, but it's just the product kind of suffers. Well, I think, yeah, no, no 100%. Like, it does, you know. I think... Um, I don't know how you change that. Yeah, there um, is. And, yeah, I think like the big money is in international. I suppose if they keep getting more sponsorship and more coverage... Then you know, I think you know, if you saw a correlation, and I'm pretty sure you would see a correlation with 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 the number of supporters going, the number of people watching the games. If people, if, you know, if all the best guys are playing week in week out, um, you know, you probably see them playing there more often because there'd be more revenue. Um, so look, that's a challenge for the league. Uh, it has been for a while. I think they know that. Uh, again, you can see them working really hard to try and push the product. I think it looks like a good product at the moment. Um, it'd be just great if they had a few more of the players playing more often, but. I think they'll get drip-fed in as well. You know, I think there's no need to necessarily panic to start. I think that's probably a mistake for the English Premiership teams to not give their guys, um, you know, more of a break. You know, I think it, it ends up actually making the product worse in the bigger games. I think we saw that, um, you know, in, in Champions Cup and you see that... Um, you know the, the the Pro 14 sides have been very consistently. There there's usually one or two of them in um, in the semi-finals. I know Saracens have been outstanding, but um, you know I think some of those squads have, have big budgets, and I think that the the Pro 14 teams do punch above their weight. And I think it's because they manage well, the squads it's better. Fair, hundred percent. I would agree with John. Like they should, the English players maybe shouldn't be playing this early. There's like a balance to be struck, and I feel like the Premiership probably are too far the other way in that England suffer because the players are, are very are much more injury prone than the Irish players. Like there's a lot of players who have been like long term absentees. Anthony Watson, but even when Apollo has been crocked regularly, mm. like a lot of English players have been going down with a lot of injuries. But I just think there's a, a balance to be struck. And I don't know what the answer is because the IRFU obviously want to keep protect the international players. Naturally, it's a World Cup year as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's no real answer to it. So I'm just basically stating a point, but I don't have it. I'm not yeah, offering but, any but solutions, it's, it's, really. It's a very interesting discussion point, you know. I think uh, it's, you know, it, it's kind of key for the, you know, in terms of the future, you know. But what I would say is, you know, the, the more I look at it, the more I think that, you know, that might have been a, a Leinster second even the weekend, but I don't think there's that much difference between lots of those players. I really don't. I think you saw how seamlessly all those players. I mean, look, but you probably have three or four that you're saying they're irreplaceable. They're probably Johnny Sexton, uh, you know, probably, probably Keane Healy and, and Ty Furlong. Um, yeah, Rob Henshaw definitely, I think, actually fits in. But I don't know if there's anyone else. 
Um, you know, I think just saw a good Jameson Gibson Park was. I mean, Luke McGrath was outstanding, but I don't know if anyone. My, else my, my point isn't that this Leinster team is like I saw a lot of people Leinster fans in particular tweeting. Oh well, it's the other team's fault for not getting up to that level. My point is isn't, isn't that these players aren't great players or great young players because they are. But when you look at the Pro 14 Dream Team and the top internationals literally aren't eligible to be selected on it because they haven't played, enough, they games. Haven't played enough games. Yeah, look, it's, it's a bit of a piss take, really. Like, I, look, it, it's definitely something that they need to work on, as I've said. You know, and I think they're definitely trying to do that. I think it'll come again, as I said, with more revenue. I mean, the reason the Champions Cup is, you know, probably deemed to be, you know, people are saving themselves for Champions Cup is because of the revenue attached to it, you know, and the prestige of it. And I think, you know, strengthening the competition more and more. I mean, the Aviva Premiership teams, there's massive, you know, there's a big budget attributed to that. So it's big for the club's revenues. So, um, you know, I think that that's probably a reason why they see them playing there more often. If they were just relying on Champions Cup, um, I think you'd probably see them there more often. And if they were centrally contracted, I mean, that is an issue, as you say. Like, I mean, the, the, the RFU, the big revenues come from international rugby and that's what's funding everything in the game here. So... It's probably you know a question without a, a you know a really definitive solution available even at the moment, um, but definitely a question that I think they're trying to answer, uh, and I think they've they've noticed that. I mean, it, it, you know Johnny Sexton should be the ten on that team. Do you know what I mean? On the, yeah. Um, uh, but again, like yeah, Ross Byrne is the dream team out half when Johnny Sexton is the. Well, Ross Byrne was his, look, no, he was cool. Yeah, 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 the point yeah. again is yeah. sorry, I get you, I get yeah. you. Is that the fir- it doesn't look like all the first team players are necessarily have they don't even have enough games. So it's something that they need to work on. I think. Mm. Um, it's definitely not the finished product, and I'm pretty sure they'd admit that themselves. Yeah. But I think they're going in the right direction. With well, one player who has benefited from the league in kind of extended game time in it is our guest tonight, John Cooney, Ulster Player mm. of the Year last season. He started off this season equally good, penalty in the last play of the game, having missed one two seconds earlier. So he went from villain to hero in, in a short space of time. He has been one of the success stories of the last year, and I guess you would have played with him at Leinster. And it took him a long time to kind of make that breakthrough, and I think he kind of uses that, those knockbacks as motivation now. Yeah, I'd say he does. You know, I think it's fairly natural for someone to to, you know, use those things. You know, as you know, use some of the ste- you know things that have knocked you down as possibly stepping stones to to help you get. To oh, it's where a great way to, to keep driven and focused. No, it, it <laughs> is. But it, look, the thing is, the key thing with all these things is to like you never use someone else, uh, someone else knocking you down or things that you can't control as motivational tools because they run out of gas. Like, what happens when now you've made it? You know, he's made it now. It's a year later. He doesn't need to be using like he just he just needs to keep focusing on doing what he does every day. He knows now that he can make it. I'm not saying that you know when it comes to games that you know against other teams that he's you know against Leinster or against you know probably not no but against Leinster that he's not going to want to do a bit better uh, against them. You know obviously with there, with there being a bit of history where he comes from obviously having you know it having not worked out for him there. You do want to but in terms of your everyday, you got to have the motivation has to come from inside. All the great players aren't motivated for me by something that's happened to them or someone that's, you know, not picked them. Like it hap- it, it, that, that's a well, good short-term solution. I was going to say, give us a couple of examples of your career of chips you had on your shoulder. I know obviously when you got picked for that, Argent- or you came off the bench against Argentina, you mm. really wanted to prove Joe wrong. There must have been a couple of other times in your career if you can remember any. Well, I, do you know what? I, that actually wasn't what it was, Will. No, I actually wanted, like uh, that for me, and I've been very clear on that one actually, I wanted to make sure that I had played, it was for myself, it wasn't for anyone else. Like I, I Pretty sure I listened no, to you on radio yeah, once and, yeah. you, and you said... No, but I, I said... I, no, no. What I said was that I knew I told him he was wrong not to pick mm. me. The reason, and I and I was very been very you know clear and and consistent on this one was <laughs> that 
I actually wanted to, I, I always wanted to prove to myself that I belonged at the upper echelons in the game. And the only place you can really, you know, do that is, is probably at the World Cup or on the Lions Tour, which I disappointed on. Um, so that was for me a big moment that I was, I proved to myself that I was able to deliver uh, you know, on the biggest stage when the chips were down against a really, really good rugby team in in, in Argentina, and I proved that to myself. I knew I, I was I everything that I thought about myself all the way up uh, as a player since I'm since I was a kid. I always thought I was the best at at it. I always believed that in myself that if I played to my potential, that I was I belonged at the top table. I felt I showed that in that time. Now, did I show it throughout my career? Which is the key part? Uh, no, I didn't. I, look, there's lots of different reasons for that. Um, I think, um, and, and some of them. You know, probably fault some on my own end, uh, not just injuries. But that was more that for me. Look, it felt good, obviously, in the short term. But what it really was about was me proving to myself that I belonged at the top table, um, and that I was able to compete and do well, um, and do really well. Uh, you know, in a pressurized scenario in a World Cup. Any other chips on your shoulder in your career that you no, can divulge? No, nah, look, look, the only ones I ever had really were were things with uh, you know contracts and stuff that went kind of wrong, and some of the dealings around them. Um, you know, those things definitely didn't leave a good taste in the mouth. Uh, you know, I felt I was treated, you know, people, you know, coaches discussing my contract in front of other players in a changing room when I was a 23rd man, like, you know, discussing numbers, I'm not going to get into names, but those kind of things, like there was some of the treatment around a contract that got, you know, removed from the table when I got a very bad injury playing for the club, those things stick with you. Um, but you can't actually... In saying it, at the same time as I'm saying that, like you can't, like I don't think about that every day. I can't, like you can't drag those things with you. Serves as a, a you know, in the in the short term, you know, you know, you want to prove, you know, that you know, you want to make back, make it back, or but you're only really doing those things for yourself. And I always found that the being angry about things it, that that never really lasts that long. You know, it's good for one big game. Um, but if you want to deliver consistently, and that's what greatness is all about: is consistently, consistently delivering. A at lot the top. of famous sports people, though, you know. Are kind of build their motivational stuff awfully slights. Even if they're imagined, they kind of like you know yeah, someone like yeah. a Roy Keane or someone like that was yeah, always kind of t- like looking at looking for stuff to get angry about to drive him on. But I think he always if you if you talk about it if you talk to him about it I don't think he ever he doesn't really talk about that many like slights in terms of like I think in a, in a particular Haaland. game yeah but <laughs> but that was in a particular game like every like he went every you ask anyone uh, any of those guys for four years later he broke the fella yeah but like, like look he was settling a score there that's probably something <laughs> different like I think he was great every week and he was great in training every day and that was what made that's what greatness is is delivering all the time um you know loads of people have setbacks throughout their career I mean like you know even Brian O'Driscoll even Paul like Paul O'Connell all these guys you know they've had setbacks all on the way but they delivered every day in training that's what greatness is that's what makes you a great player in any sport is that you can deliver consistently and can consistently deliver at a high level um and that'd be my view on it. Like, there's definitely moments where you have something, and it lasts. It's fleeting, you know. What to get you that, that consistency? It has to be, the fire has to burn inside uh, the person. It can't be, you know, from factors outside. You have to want to be the best. You have to be want to be the best every, at everything you do uh, all the time. But I'm looking forward to asking our guest about that a little later on. But I'm delighted to be joined now on the line by Ulster Scrum Half John Cooney. John, thanks so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks, Will, for having me on. It's good to chat to the two of you now today. Yeah, first things first, John, I remember seeing an interview you gave a couple of months back when you were talking about making the commute sometimes from Belfast to Dublin and how you think it's a great time to listen to some podcasts. The left wing better be in that podcast rotation, first of all, John. Definitely. I, I used to use it last uh, last season just to kind of reflect and get your thoughts and opinions on uh, all the games each weekend. So, 
it was definitely always one of the ones I listened to and a few others such as nutrition and stuff like that. So it, it's a good way to kind of learn while you're driving and just not listening to mindless uh, radio and stuff like that. So it's something I've gotten quite good at. Well, I'm delighted with you. we're not in the mindless radio category. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted and surprised at the same time. Uh, John, thanks, Mill, for coming on. Uh, it's been a while since we had a good chat, actually. I've obviously been watching you from uh, from the touchline since I've been doing a bit of punditry uh, since my career finished. But, um, I mean, it's been a great... Uh, I mean, you, you've done fantastically well um, since you left Leinster. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, your your time in Connacht because that for me really seemed to mould and kind of cement um, you know the, the player you are at the moment I, I just thought you were playing some great rugby there uh, talk to us a little bit about that yeah um, I think it was probably looking back now it was probably the best thing that happened to my career and at the time in Leinster when I went on loan I I just had shoulder surgery so I've, I first kind of took it that it, I felt like I was kind of being shunned out but I think now, looking back, it's probably the best thing ever happened to me. And it took me a few months just to find my feet when I got there because, like I said, I didn't get there till the September of my first season. So kind of had to get the head down and took till the Christmas of that year to even get my first game for Connacht. So I think it was just that resilience and just kind of working pretty hard, which kind of became one of my strengths then. And I, it went well there, but I also struggled big time with two more shoulder surgeries. So that was a bit of a setback. But again, like looking back now, it probably it helped me work kind of on the mental aspect of my game, which would have probably been one of my weaknesses back then. And now I like to say it's one of my strengths and something kind of I've gotten real into is, is all that aspect of the game and psychology and stuff like that. So something last season I really implemented and I think kind of made a big difference in my performances. And like you always say, yourself included, you probably know just the struggles of injury and just the perspective it kind of gives you. So I think, I think that kind of opened my eyes up to all that aspect of the game. So I, I'm pretty grateful for those things and I, I probably wouldn't change it now yeah just from reading some of your own comments in the past you strike me as someone who's been always quite mentally strong even with the setbacks I, I think I saw you say that you you always felt that you deserved the kind of the shot you, you have at the moment you now being a starter at one of the Irish teams to, to show what you can do like did you always believe that the, that the season you had last year was in you even when you weren't getting those opportunities uh, yeah I probably did like people would always say I'm confident but Obviously, I wasn't very confident when I was struggling with those injuries and I probably wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. But I think you kind of remember that the, the sacrifices your family have made and stuff like that. And they always told me it was going to happen. And my brother and sister and my parents would always, always tell me to just stay strong and that it would come around the, in a positive manner. So, yeah, when times were tough, I kind of reflected on them and just kind of wanted to honor the sacrifices they made. So I think that kind of just kept that self-belief in me. And when I kind of got a good run of games last season, it just made a big difference. And I think even just getting more reps and trainings, small things like that you don't even think about. So when I was swapping in and out with Marmo and stuff or picking up injuries where you're gone for a month, three months, it's hard to get that continuity where last season it was just everything kind of worked out the way I wanted and I kind of put myself in that pressure situation. But yeah, it was it was probably my best season there. So it was good to good to get it done. Yeah, is it, is it a strange kind of dynamic when I guess the team overall isn't performing as well as you'd like, but you personally are having kind of the season of your career? Like, what's that kind of like, I guess? Because you're obviously delighted with how you're playing, but then you don't want to be kind of grinning going into training every day if the team is looking for a, kind of a, a big bounce back. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a turbulent season and obviously like I said yeah you you want to perform your best each game and it was pretty tricky sometimes but um yeah you you first and foremost you want the team to do well and the way I was thinking was if I performed well normally we had a better chance of winning so you're always obviously happy with with how I was going but I would have taken the wins every week and the solid performance but 
yeah, hoping this year now will be a bit different. I think we've got a lot more strength and depth now and a lot of good young lads coming through. So there's a good buzz there at the moment and kind of putting finger on the pulse. It just, it just seems that everyone's pretty pretty active and looking forward to a nice new season. And John, do you know, the, the, obviously, you know, I, I think Ulster have made some some really um, astute acquisitions. Um, you know, the two Leinster boys, our ex-Leinster guys, Marty Moore and, uh, and Jordy Murphy. Um, how have they... I mean, what impact have they had on the squad? Have they settled in well? Um, I mean, you you are in contact with those guys a lot. Do you think they'll make a big difference to that pack, and and I suppose give you a bit of added oomph next year to help you make an impact on the games? Yeah, I think uh, Marty settled in very well. He came back a, a bit sooner than us, so uh, yeah, I think he was he was WhatsApping me or messaging me asking what gyms and stuff to use. So he had the head down pretty early days, and he he worked incredibly hard in preseason and. Poor lad picked up a calf injury last week, uh, scrummaging, but I don't think he'll be out for too long. So he's raring to go. And same with Jordy. I think he's back this week now. So he's settled in really well. And the two lads have been really light within the squad. And they bring that different dynamic. And they're, they're both good lads. So yeah, the two lads I would have played with since I'm about 17. So yeah, it's good to have a few familiar faces in the squad. And then we have a few good recruits like Will Addison, Billy Burns and stuff like that. They're bringing a new dimension. And they're, they're both very good footballers. And both quick and a good eye for a break. So we've had a good uh, new recruits throughout the summer. And John, I guess you probably would have played maybe some sort of role in the lads coming up. I guess they might have rang you, used you as a sounding board to get an insight into what the what the experience is like up in Belfast. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping still for a cut on Jordy's uh, contract now because I'm <laughs> acting as agent to get him up here. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, he, he did ring me before and I gave him my perspective of the place and what I thought and what we're trying to build and stuff so yeah, he was keen to come up and it, it helps he stayed with me for the first three or four weeks so it is handy when you know someone moving up and you know a few familiar faces because it's it's not ideal settling into a new club and for me last year I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor for my first month or so just a, a friend I knew his brother gave me a room so like it takes a while to get get to know everyone and how people are and stuff like that so yeah Jordy's adapted really well and it, it's good to have him here. Yeah, I'm good to get you on to get your perspective, I guess, on moving up Dulcer because Luke last season, I'm delighted to be able to land Luke in it now. Luke last season said on multiple occasions that he thought that for Irish players from Leinster or Munster or Connacht to move up Dulcer, that there was maybe a perception that it's, it's, it wouldn't be something they want to do. So maybe I think Luke might be better served explaining his opinion. Well, no, look, I think it is a difficult move. You know, it's probably stating the obvious. I mean, historically speaking, there's there's been lots of issues uh, up, up in Ulster. We all know that. Uh, and I think, you know, I got a fair bit of a use last year for saying that but look I just I suppose I couldn't think of anyone who'd made the move um, across either way across the border uh, that had done really really well so um, you know that was basically a statement I thought it was a statement of fact I couldn't think of anyone who'd been outstanding either way um, in, in terms of making a transition across so but look, it doesn't mean uh, that it's not possible I'm really wishing the best to uh, Jordy Murphy and Marty Moore and I think John is definitely the exception that proves the rule I think uh, he was fantastic that year uh, sorry last year um, and has got off to a great start this year so I'm hoping you do well, John. Um, I just uh, nothing against the Ulster men. Just uh, I thought it was a statement of fact, to be honest. Yeah, John. Did you find was there any kind of cultural adjustment as well uh, moving up to Belfast? Um, not really. No. Um, I, I find it to be a lot better than I thought it was. Like I said, or Lukey said, even there is a perception around moving up, and it is what it is. And I, I kind of just got involved and just, just put the head down and kind of make it what it is. And 
I knew if I put the head down and, and trained hard and played well that I was going to be by like by the fans and if I give 100% every week and stuff like that they're just going to warm to you so I, I enjoyed my first few weeks and luckily I knew a lot of the lads coming up which made it a lot easier but no I, I found it pretty easy everyone's pretty nice on the streets everyone comes up to you even buying you coffees in the coffee shop and stuff like that but I found it pretty easy my mum used to live here for a few years so she comes up for all the games and my family get up as, as much as they can so no, I really I really enjoyed it here and I guess it was unusual circumstances in the sense that obviously you were probably delighted to get a chance finally to you know be to probably be a starter at one of the provinces, but you were replacing Ruan Pinar, who was a massive fan favourite. Um, now it's probably a testament to how well you played last year. The people have kind of dropped that whole argument uh, pretty quickly, um, so that must have been really uh, kind of good for you as well. Yeah, yeah, I would have been lying if I said I didn't feel the pressure moving up and goal kicking as well something I only started doing full time kind of a few seasons ago but it, it's kind of added a string to my bow so something I actually really enjoy doing and I think it's given me that other dimension in my game now and I kind of needed to adapt to give give me a point of difference and I think it's something now I've developed so yeah the pressure I could definitely felt on my first game last season and I think I missed three kicks in that game and I'd never missed three in a game so I kind of had to adjust to that and kind of work on the psychology aspect of the game but yeah, I just knew pre-season I just had to work hard and there was no other way I could really really come back and play well other than working hard. And I just kind of had to back myself. I knew the pressure was on, but I kind of embraced it rather than staying clear of it. So, yeah, I knew I just had to just fit into the team the first few games. I didn't try anything too crazy in the first few games. I just tried to stay within the systems. And then after that, I felt a bit more comfortable. I knew I could play my own game. I'd, I didn't try to play a, a Ruan PNRS game because I knew I couldn't do that, but I just tried to put my own stamp on, on the way I play. I, I played different to him, obviously, but I just knew if I brought my aspect to the, the table, I knew uh, it could do pretty good things for us and hopefully be beneficial, and that's kind of how it worked last season. And is it something you can almost use as a, motiva a motivation as well? If everyone's kind of, it becomes a bit of a circus about Ruin Pienaar leaving, and you're kind of thinking, well, wait a minute here, like I'm coming up, I'm a good player, I can do a good job as well. Does it kind of spur you on a bit to prove, pe you know, that maybe the media or the people talking about it wrong? Yeah, definitely. I would have seen some comments before and you try not to look at too many of them, but saying who's this lad and he's not going to be good enough for this squad. And I definitely have, a, I don't even say I still have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because it took a bit longer to get what I wanted. But I personally, I kind of like that because it motivates me every day and stuff to, to just keep working hard. So yeah, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder and that's kind of why I came across because I knew I had to get where I needed to get and the opportunity was too big. I loved Connacht, I loved Galway and I just couldn't turn down the opportunity to, to kind of get to where I needed to be. So, yeah, that definitely was one of the motivating factors. And, John, you talked there about working harder. And, you know, I suppose you've always been, uh, you, you know, even back in the day when I was playing with you in, in Leinster, it seems like a long time ago now, Will. But mm. uh, you always were a fantastic trainer. Um, is, is there anything in terms of kind of figuring out the, the training aspect? Uh, is there anything that they do differently up there that's helped you stay fit? I know you talked about getting a few injuries along the way. And I remember you had a couple of unlucky ones in Leinster as well in my time there. Um, like... Is there anything that, that you kind of figured out, do you feel? Because, like? I mean, you always were a hard worker, always in great shape, I do remember. But um, any anything you're doing differently to keep you fit at the moment? I probably learned the hard way. To I, I was nearly overtraining, I think. So when I was in Connacht, I became a bit mad. I was I was definitely overtraining. So I think I've kind of learned the hard way with the shoulders. I've had three shoulder surgeries. So I think now I try not to overtrain. So I, I go hard when I do train. But for a while in Connacht, I kind of was doing a bit too much. I'd sometimes go up after training, I'd do another gym session or I'd do another treadmill and stuff like that because I was 
subbing or I wasn't involved sometimes. So I think I kind of learned the hard way of overtraining now. I've just, I'm just kind of doing what I'm told and trying not to do too much now, which is I think it's kind of been a bit beneficial in terms of recovery and stuff like that. It's uh, something you become more, I think, professional as you get a bit older and you start feeling in the body, I think. I've gotten a bit better at, especially Liv Majority recently. He's he's a very good uh, professional for his recovery and stuff like that. So it's it's an aspect of my game I've definitely improved. Do you feel like you're kind of maybe a little bit calmer now that you're kind of, I suppose, um, get, you're I suppose you're in pole position in terms of getting picked every week. Does that give you a calmness about it? You're not kind of you know the overtraining side. I always find there's a yeah. lot of people who um, are kind of in that position. Yeah, it can be down to inexperience, but because you want it so bad. Um, to get in the team, do you think sometimes that's a part of it? I always found, you know, looking at at, at some guys uh, and, and myself included when I was trying to break in, that sometimes you just did too much because you wanted it too bad. Do you, do you ever think anything like that? Yeah, definitely, because that would have been the main reason I did it in Connacht. I just kept wanting to be number one there, and I, like I said, I kept doing stuff that I just definitely didn't need to do. And similar in Leinster, I remember sometimes just doing treadmills in between breaks in the day, and I'd be training that day. Even one time, I remember. Uh, under Matt O'Connor when I was subbing for the Leinster A team I played two 90 minute football games the week of an A game stuff like that which obviously I shouldn't have been doing but at that time I, <laughs> I, I, was, so. kind of, no, I was kind of sick of it at that stage and that was before I went on the loan to Connacht and I was, I was kind of losing interest at the time but yeah I think that bit of security and stuff like that where you know you're playing each week I've kind of learned to, to give up some reps and training and kind of recover because I, I did always try and go a, bit, a little bit too hard and I've kind of managed my body a bit better because come the end of season last season I was starting to break up so it's something now I've gone a lot better and I feel a lot fresher now Yeah just you touched on it there I guess your, your time at Leinster and obviously you know, you were there you know in 2012 when they won the Heineken Cup you got some game time that day at Twickenham but as you touched on there it was a frustrating period in your career you know when, when you think back now like what, what do you make of your, your kind of your Leinster experience and, and, the, and the role it kind of played in your career? Yeah, I think it was just it was a tough time to come through Leinster at the time in terms of being a young player, I think, especially in my position because there was Boston Red and both Irish internationals at the time. So, yeah, it was pretty hard to break into the team. I remember my second season, I, I think I might have started the first six games or played the first six games and thought I'd play quite well. And then I didn't play again for, I think it was about five months. So it was it was a difficult time. And then the next season, when the coach changes, you never know whether he likes you or not. And I just don't know if Matt O'Connor really warmed to me. So... That was kind of the the demise of my career in Leinster after that. So he gave me the option to go on that loan. And then I think I played quite well in Connacht. And he, he gave me the option to come back. But I was happiest in Connacht. So I, I luckily stayed there. And then we won the league the next season. So it was probably a pretty good decision I made. And I remember speaking to my family and my agent. He said, the place you're happiest is where you're going to play best. So at the time, I was just happier in Galway. So that was the route I went. But I enjoyed my time in, Connacht, er, in Leinster. And it was good to have Joe early on, so he kind of implemented a lot of good habits into my game, and I can still see him in the back of my head screaming. So it's pretty <laughs> handy. It's pretty handy when I'm in Irish camp and stuff because I know what he likes and I know what he wants. So yeah, I think he was a good coach to have pretty young. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Joe Schmidt because obviously for someone like Luke and some of the other players, they would have been senior internationals when Joe came in. Mm. But for what was he like for a young player like yourself? Yeah, it was tough, but yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed him. Uh, the good thing about Joe is he, he always told me to be patient and that my opportunity would come and that I'd make it. So I remember he said that to my mum even and she always talked about it. But yeah, you do have to, especially as a subscrum half, a lot of the time he wouldn't bring you on. So it was tough. You had to 
take a lot of those uh, losses. I remember being on the bench several times and not getting on. Your family are there and stuff like that, and it's it's not ideal. But yeah, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger and all that. So yeah, looking back on it now, I think I'll just take the positives of it all. It's good to have him as a a coach early days. Like I said, he implemented a lot of good habits, which which now I I tried to cha- train all of them still. So yeah, it was good to have him early days. And and talk to me about the relationship with uh, with Dwayne Peel up there. I mean, how has he been? Is he having a big influence on the backs up there? Uh, there's a lot of young guys as well in that back line. Um, you know, and, and while you you know you kind of touched on it earlier on, you were talking about you know you having to wait maybe that little bit longer to get your opportunity. And I suppose it's come now, and you're you're looking like you're probably first choice up there um, at, at the moment. Uh, you know, are you having a big impact? Are you one of the big one of the talkers in, in, amongst the back sessions? And what kind of impact has Dwayne Peel had on you and the rest of the backs? Yeah, that's a great question. He's uh, probably not got enough profile for for the good work he's done, and um, especially for me as a scrum half, he does a lot of work with me in last season in particular, and he'd be a lot harder on me obviously because he's a scrum half, so he knows exactly what he he wants from me each game. But he puts me under a lot of pressure, and, and it's been of the highest use for me and even at half time he'll always be harping on to me to get the ball away quicker and stuff like that because he knows exactly what I need to be doing so for me he's been hugely beneficial and then yeah for the outside backs in terms of pass quality kick quality and stuff like that running lines he's a he's serious knowledge of the game so yeah he's been brilliant for our attack he basically <clears throat> takes all the attacks so I think we had a, something up there near the top for most line breaks last season a lot of them we didn't finish off which we need to improve but I think he's making a lot of opportunities for us and, and he's been pretty brilliant. So it's been good to have him. And then Jared now in, in defence is adding another dimension. I think he made a big difference to our, our team last year because our defence, to be honest, was pretty poor in the first half of the season and we were leaking a lot of tries. So he, he came in at the end of the season and I think we went five games unbeaten at the end and he just made a huge difference with our line speed and stuff like that and kind of going after other teams. So the, the dynamic between the two of them, both, both young fellas, has made a big difference. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Jared Payne because I think I think Joe always said that he was kind of like a defensive linchpin in the 13 channel. Like, does he have a lot of kind of interesting little insights that he can give you? Or is it more big picture stuff? Or yeah, how, how does he like to coach? Yeah, he's the type of player you don't realise how good he is until you, you actually take the field with him. I sadly never got to play with him. But uh, even just training with him last season when he was trying to come back, I, I just realised fairly quickly how good he was. And He's the type of coach, yeah, he'll he'll get after you and if you're not doing it right, he'll he'll go through you, but he'll also he'll show you how to do it. So he's still got it, so he'll still come out in the training field and he'll show you exactly what you should be doing. So he kinda has a good mix between both. But he, yeah, he goes after people, which is exactly what you need, especially in defence. So if if you get caught doing stuff wrong, he'll definitely let you know. So I think he's been brilliant for communication in the back line. He he's very good for that and making sure our backfield coverage has been been good and it's, it's a huge work on for us and I think we've gotten pretty good at that now and when I watch I guess you know your rise last season I think one, one thing that's been very beneficial from the outside looking in anyway is they seem to have a lot of responsibility on the pitch you know you remind me of the way maybe French teams used to scrum half you know they're very much a playmaker they're kind of dictating the attack in lots of ways do you feel like yourself like do you feel like you have a lot of the responsibility to kind of drive that on there yeah, well, I think I enjoy it. Like I said, it, it was kind of point of difference. I, I knew I had to start doing something different if I wanted to get into the Irish setup or even start getting some uh, coverage for myself. And yeah, I, I think kicking will be one of my strengths. So yeah, it's something I've always thought I'd be quite good at just from my footballing background and stuff like that. So 
yeah, I enjoy kicking and I think it's one of my strengths. So it's, it's something in the exits and stuff. I like to take control of that and I might as well use one of the things I'm good at. And I think it's it's a good way to take the pressure off your 10, especially when you're passing the ball back 10 metres now to then get everyone back on side. I think if, you, if you've been nine, you can kick a lot. It just takes a lot of pressure off them, especially last season with Johnny McPhillips being quite young and coming in. It, it was just beneficial to take a bit of that pressure off him. And in terms of your own game, John, uh, you know, you, you seem to have a fairly... Put your finger on the pulse there. Is, there. is there any areas that you're looking to work on to, to, to catch up with the likes of? I mean, uh, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, I think Conor Murray is obviously the, the standout guy at, at nine and has mm-hmm. been for a long time there. But, I mean, all these guys have to have a target on their back, you know, for, for the guys who are chasing them. And you're definitely in that chasing pack now. I mean, what do you feel like you need to do to, I suppose, catch him and to, to put a bit of pressure on Joe to make a decision in terms of possibly, you know, you know get, getting in first choice there? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, um, it's quite difficult. I think some players, I think when I get to game time, I think I become a different person or a different animal. I think given a chance get any against any player, you can kind of have a good shot with them or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think it's just getting a chance as well. It, it's pretty difficult going in if you don't have experience. It's like anything, once you get a few games under your belt, you feel a lot more relaxed and stuff. And it would just be nice to get an opportunity now for Ireland. But uh, yeah, Connor is brilliant. His goal is place kicking and it's become another strength for him which he's doing now and his box kicking brilliant so yeah it's just getting just a bit better decision making something I have improved and I'm working a lot more especially now that I've covered a bit of 10 and stuff like that it's it, it's good to get a different reading of how your nine wants the ball and stuff like that so yeah it's just game and just game practice basically just keep getting those big games and you're up and stuff like that just playing at the best levels is kind of exactly what I want and last season I enjoyed the European games and I told it quite well so it's just trying to play at the highest level week in week out and obviously Conor Murray I, I guess is his first choice at the moment but behind him there's like a, a real kind of tight battle to see who can get into the, the match day squad like would you keep an eye on the performances of the other scrum halves throughout the season and, and kind of measure yourself against how they're doing as well yeah I'd be lying if I said I didn't <laughs> but I do yeah uh, I watched Luke Graham Friday and he was boxing and excellent so that was something I definitely on Saturday I knew I had to do well so yeah, I'd watch. I'd actually probably watch them every week. I'd watch Marmo as well. So, yeah, I, I like to sit down and just see how they're doing just so I know what I have to do that game and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would be comparing myself to them, but I'd also just try and concentrate my own game as well and just try and get better each week. To get the voodoo dolls out, start poking pins in their eyes and stuff. <laughs> no, I only hope the best for all of them. <laughs> and in terms your of your own biggest competitor. <laughs> in terms of your own game, I mean, what, what do you feel is, is the biggest strength um, of, of your game at the moment, John? Um, I'm not sure. I think I'd like to think I've quite a rounded game, and defense would have been probably one of my biggest strengths before my shoulders. But I'd, I'd still think my defensive positioning stuff is quite good. I know I'm tack on the weekend for a try, but I, I like to get stuck in. It's something I think I'm quite good at. I quite good at reading and defending on the wing and stuff like that. I don't mind that. And then uh, yeah, I think my kicking would be one of my strengths, and it's something I like taking control of. I like exiting kicking. I like kicking it long, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Something I work on, I always used to go, whenever I could in Leinster or Connacht, I used to always go kicking with 10s just because I just wanted to kind of pick their brains and just see the way they kick the ball. So sometimes I might do the kicks to touch and stuff just from practicing with them. I kind of just would always pick their brain and just take techniques they do for kicking and stuff like that, which obviously then like a year or two ago, I'd never played 10 before, but gave me an opportunity that if I, if needed now, I, I can kind of step in and cover those type of positions. So. 
And just looking ahead, I guess, to the current season now, you have new head coach and Dan McFarland. Like, what have you made of him so far? I know he only kind of came in a short while ago, but have you been impressed with him? Like, what can you tell us about the kind of coach he is compared to some of the other guys you've had? Yeah, I have. Uh, I had him for a year in Connacht as well, but he was forwards coach. I wouldn't have dealt with him that much, but he's he's an incredibly passionate man. Um, he has a big love for Irish rugby. I think he's got connections. Excuse me, uh, connections to Ulster already because his granddad's from here. So yeah, he talks hugely passionately about uh, rugby, and he loves his place already. So I think he's going to bring that. He wants this mentality of fight for every inch. I think we kind of need that because. I think we need a chip on our shoulder at the moment because at the end of last season it felt like everyone was against us and it was us against everyone, against the world basically and as we proved we all came pretty together in the last five games so I think it's a mentality we definitely need this season and he's working big time on our rook ball and trying to make us play at a, a speed level and he's he's pretty adamant about that and he, he nearly times every single rook and as a scrum half he'll time how quick you get the ball away so that would sorry that would be one of my work on is getting the ball away a little bit quicker so for me, that's it's going to be a big addition for my game. Hopefully, I'm working pretty hard. I was pretty wrecked in the first 20 minutes of the game the last day because I was trying to get it away as quick as possible. I think it was about 100 metres a minute that game in the first 20, and then it kind of lagged off a bit. But, uh, yeah, he's 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 big about rock ball, and I remember that in Connacht. He's mad about the, the ball carrier working hard and the barrels or whatever you want to call it coming in and getting the ball away and getting it off the deck. So I think it sounds a bit similar to kind of the way Glasgow plays. So... Yeah, hopefully we're playing an exciting game. I'm pretty sure we had four or five hundred meters gained on the weekend, so we probably should have finished a few chances. But if if you're making those five meters every week, you're going to be scoring a lot of tries. And talk to us a little bit about you know where you feel this season is going, and um, are there any young guys that we should be keeping an eye out for up in Ulster? Because I think it's um, you know it, it, there's just loads of opportunity. I think at this point to to try out a few young guys up there, and I believe there's a lot of exciting talent. Anyone anyone stood out to you, Coons, in training? Yeah, big time. There's a lad called Aaron Sexton. He's a winger and he's actually still in school. He's only 17, but he got called into training with us the other day. I'm pretty sure out of school, but he, he played for the under-21s the other day and scored a, what seemed easy for him to try from about 50 metres against the Leinster under-20s. He just gassed everyone on the outside, stepped the full back in under the post and no one could get near him. So pretty sure he's got, he's going to be a, a big future star. And Stuart Moore is looking really good as well, centre, but he just picked up an injury in pre-season. He's he's got a good mix of everything. He's a good footballer. He's also good feet and pretty fast. So, yeah, there's good, exciting talent. A lot of lads, even Johnny, Johnny Stewart at nine is lovely kicker of the ball. And then we've got a good few people and further channels. And our back line would have been, it is still strong, but a lot of players we lost last year and a lot of good youth are coming through now. So I'm pretty sure it's pretty important now for our academy kind of to step up and any team I've been lucky to be involved with that, that have won some silverware, it's, it's always kind of come down to the, the youth that can come in halfway through a season when the internationals are away or, or people are injured and, and they fit in seamlessly and without a, a difference in the team. So I think that's exactly what we need this season. Yeah, I guess you mentioned at the time of the season when the internationals are away. I guess this season you'll be hoping that you'll be away as well. Like you were in obviously in the summer tour in Australia. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're 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 rated by the Ireland coaches in the setup now that you're not just someone who's just kind of broken in on the fringes? Yeah, um, just yeah. Even talking to Joe in the summer, he was he was real happy with my season, but I was very disappointed in November. I didn't make it, and then I was even more disappointed in the Six Nations. I didn't make it initially, and I know there's a lot of competition between all of us, but. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed, but I remember my sister telling me all I can do is just keep playing well. And eventually, they can't not pick me if I keep performing, and that's all I could do. And I didn't want to put the head down, so 
I just knew each week I had to just keep playing well and keep doing what I was doing and hopefully eventually they'd have to pick me and it was nice to make it in the summer and I didn't play as much as I wanted but like I said it was the goal I had for the end of the season so I was happy to go on tour and play two minutes at 12. Uh, and here, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what you learned in the two minutes. Um, um, I got but, bossed by Karevi, that's what I <laughs> Stay out of there, yeah. Um, but look, <laughs> look, in terms of, of being in camp and, and, and that being a goal, um, I mean, did you, did you learn a good bit in there? Do you feel like you kind of get a better understanding of where you need to get to? And, you know, once you've, sorry, I'm kind of answering my, my own question here, but mm. once you've kind of figured out the, the next level up, can you see yourself achieving that? Do you, like, has it become clearer now, the goals and the targets to help you get into the team? Yeah, I do think it makes a big difference. And I said earlier about the importance of getting reps and stuff like mm. that. So the summer before I went to Japan, I was, I think I only played about five, six minutes. And I think I, first week I was running on the other team on the wing. Second week I was running 10. And then last week, I think I swapped in for like two reps. So that's the difficulty of being three nines there. Again, in the summer, I didn't get many reps. So it's just kind of trying to take those chances when you get them and fitting into the team if you do. And it would be nice now this November uh, to actually get a bit of game time. And I, I just think given an opportunity, I'd, I'd like to think I could do well. And even the experience of getting to play, you, it stands for you in the long run, especially when you get a few games under your belt. I think you feel a lot more comfortable at that level and I think it makes a big difference with how relaxed you can be when you play because usually if you're pretty uptight at scrum half, you're not you're not going to have your best game. So it's just nice to get it nice to get a bit of game time and hopefully relax into it. And we, I asked you earlier about what it was like having Joe as a coach, as a young player. Like you know, you obviously had him again. Now this time is you know, you know, you're 28 now. Was the, was there a different dynamic there? Did you, was he kind of a different kind of coach to what you remember? Had he changed? Had, you know, did you have a different relationship? What was that like? Um, no, I'd say he's still pretty the same. Um, he'll still give out to you if you're not doing what you're meant to do. But I think I just have a better knowledge of doing it before he gives out to me. So stuff like uh, the way you body ball and stuff the way you're falling your your work right back and stuff like that so no I, I found a pretty good work with him and he had good things to say back to me after the the tour because we had a camp pretty recently and he, he just did my clips from my season last season and he was just saying he's happy that it was my breakthrough season which he was hoping for me obviously before but yeah he just wants me to kick on now again this season and, and just keep playing well so it's, it's something I personally want to do as well. And when you do have a kind of a breakout season like you did last year, you know, I, you know, I think you won most player of the year. You know, you get back in the Ireland squad. Is there a temptation after being kind of doubted by different coaches over the years and not getting maybe opportunities? You know, you go on a bit of a fodder tens or settling scores and like calling people out. Like, is there a part of you what you know want the? Do you feel vindicated with kind of what happened? Yeah, I think I probably have a few people screenshot I should go after now, but I don't know about it. And no, I think it's just sport's pretty fickle you're only as good as your last game so I think those people would be just as happy to see me do bad now so I, I kind of just want to keep playing well and you know, like I said yeah if, if you have a bad performance they'll come after you pretty quickly so I just want to keep that consistency and just keep working hard and just keep playing well In terms of that though John I mean, do, you know when you're looking I mean do, do you spend much time kind of uh, you know, considering what other people outside of the setup are saying about you is it something that you keep an eye on? It seems like you you keep a you know you're wary of it anyway, and and you were saying you use it as motivation, but I mean, it, is is there a difficulty in that that you're actually focused? Like, I mean, are there lots of people that actually have a real rugby opinion that you that you're looking at? I always found as a player, mm. um, there was only really a few people that I really listened to. Like, I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I found it really hard to listen to anyone in the media t t telling me about rugby because well, I knew they didn't spend 
you know, whatever, six, seven hours watching games during the season or analyzing different games. I knew they weren't watching me training every day. So, I mean, do, do, do you think, sorry, I, I'm probably, I'm going to answer my own question again. I'm sorry <laughs> about this, but I thought it was always a waste of time looking at anyone who wasn't actually spending as much time, uh, you know, learning about the game, especially when I was really in maybe the second generation of p players playing mm. uh, professional rugby. Do you think you spent, is that a, is that a waste of time? That's basically what I'm yeah, asking you, looking at no, what other people are saying. I wouldn't do it much. It's more your parents or your mum might send you an article from someone talking about it, but she only sent me the good ones. So it's like <laughs> anything, you don't want to get carried away and look at all the good ones. So yeah. I try not to look at them. And if you see certain individuals that you don't really respect, I, I normally wouldn't pay any attention. But there was one last year I got pretty annoyed about, which was just slagging Ulster. I know it was just a tongue-in-cheek thing where he's saying, basically, should they get rid of Ulster? But it still infuriated me just the fact that I didn't find it funny whatsoever. And I remember calling him out and stuff over it because I think it was ran in the independent at the time which i was pretty annoyed about because my dad used to write for them as well so i just remember being annoyed about that but in general no i wouldn't pay too much attention it would just be more like i said every now and again i'd just be like yeah that doesn't really bother me but it's just more motivation or whatever but i i wouldn't really heed a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about and i'd be john just as what we have you here and obviously the journey you've made kind of moving away from leinster um because i was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day just as we were watching the leinster team play against cardiff on friday night and there's, there's just so many young players and there's just so few opportunities to go around for them to get the kind of game time that a lot of them probably do deserve but just since the team is so deep that they won't get them and there could be a lot of other players like yourself who were they to move away they would pop they could probably thrive like you do too like would you advise them to do what you do because for me i think a lot of players aren't fulfilling their potential simply because there's just not enough game time to go around. Yeah, I, I think it is hugely beneficial. And it's also good growth for you as a, an individual. I think looking back now, I'll be able to say I lived in Galway, I lived in Dublin, I lived in Belfast. So I kind of got to explore all the country. And like I said, it is it is what you make it. And I tried to make the best of my circumstances each time. I think it just it helps you improve different facets of your game. And like I said, mental game now has become one of my strengths because I just kind of developed it over the, the tough times and I think there's opportunities everywhere and even take Ty Byrne as another example who didn't get much of a look in Leinster and now he's thriving so I think there's several players who have, who have left and I, I think they end up having that chip on their shoulder where they, they want to make it and they're going to make it if they have to and they'll, they'll find a way so I think play, there's a lot of good players coming through and several of them have made it elsewhere and I don't see why they wouldn't wouldn't try and move if, if it's an attractive option for them and, and they know where they want to get to and John, you talked as well about, I mean, you know, I always think with, with moves and people who are who make moves successfully like yourself, um, I mean, have you got a good support structure there? You've touched on it a few times in the interview so far that, um, you know, you've, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're relying on your sister for, for, for advice, mm. uh, your mum as well. I know your brother is a big influence as well. He, he obviously yeah. played rugby in, in, in De La Salle as well. Um, you know, so I mean, is your family like? Do you really rely on them in, in uh, like throughout all these kind of moves and throughout your rugby career so far to get yeah. you through tough periods? Yeah, and I good periods. Be, yeah, hugely helpful to have people like that. And it's it's it, like I said earlier, it's easy to when the times are going bad and stuff. It's easy to be pretty selfish about it all and just think this is all happening to me and you forget to the sacrifices they've made, especially when you're young and stuff. My mum would have brought me everywhere and stuff like that. So. I think it's it's quite easy to get selfish and, and, and forget about all the stuff they've done for you. And I also just never wanted to be that lad that it didn't work out for because I'd seen so many players move and it didn't work out and I just didn't want to be that person. So I just knew I was going to make it work in whatever way I had to. And 
like I said, my my support network was brilliant and made a big difference. And some of my friends even would always be texting me. And one of my friends used to go. I remember he used to drive like twenty minutes across Dublin every night just to pass a ball at me and stuff like that. And they're the things I kind of remembered when it wasn't going well. So it just made it quite easy for me to be successful and keep that head down and keep working. Like I said. And, and is there anyone that you rely on um, in, in the player group, you know, leaving aside all the coaches and that? Have you any, mm. anyone who's kind of mentored you, anyone who you, you rely on to get feedback from uh, outside of the coaches um, or, or family that uh, you've, you've used throughout your career yeah. to get advice or anything like that? Um, sure, Kevin McLaughlin would have been big for me growing up because he was my next-door neighbour, so he would have been of good use for me. When I was in Leinster, he would have always taken me under his wing and stuff like that. And then, oh, Masterson and Connacht, he, he's actually younger than me, but he would have been a person who had a big influence on me when I was there because when I was injured with my shoulder, he was injured with his knee. He, Do you remember against Ebre, he, he ended up doing everything in his knee? Oh, yeah, I remember it, actually. Yeah, it was horrific, but just his mentality, coming back from injury, he was just such a positive guy, and every day he was working really hard, and he had a lot of videos that would kind of trigger that, mentality every day and between the two of us we kind of just really got into it and every morning we might be in at 7 a.m and if the other one wasn't in at 6 55 we'd be kind of abusing each other and be like good sleep in this morning and stuff like that so i think it's pretty useful when you have someone else kind of driving you and we were together for about six months injured and both of us just got real into that aspect of the game so i think i think he made a big difference to to the way i approached everything and i also every morning i kind of have some people like kobe bryant even as a basketballer I like to listen to videos from him in the mornings just to kind of trigger my mindset and trigger just uh, just my perspective every morning just to be happy and grateful for what I have. So on my drive in every morning, I kind of listen to some videos like that in the way and just to kind of make me attack the day. When you're not listening to the left wing. No, yeah, the left wing, that, that's more relaxed in the evening. That's when I'm out of, out of You're not that, learning uh, it in there anyway, can rest assured. Yeah, that's more relaxing with a Pepsi Max in the evening. Well, John, just before we let you go, there's like a last thing I wanted to ask you, I guess. Obviously, you know, you're in Ulster now, things are going great for you, but part of you must think in the back of your mind that it would be great to go back to Leinster from there, you know, as a, a prominent player this time rather than maybe on the bench and, and kind of scrapping for game time. Yeah, no. I, I, personally, I just don't think that. No, it's. I really like it here, and I don't think I'd ever see myself even thinking of that option anymore. I think I, I like where I am here, and I, I just don't see a future personally for me in Leinster. And it's probably that chip in my shoulder. I'm just happy with how I'm going here, and I think Ulster is the club for me now, and I've I've really bought into to their values and the community and stuff here. And I'd see myself now as an Ulster man, and obviously I'm a Dublin Dublin born boy, but. I think now it would be the club club for me. Well, it's just interesting you mentioned a couple of times, like you would kind of, I guess, openly say you have a chip in your shoulder then and kind of maybe that's, that has been driving you, maybe getting rejected a couple of times or not picked. Mm. That obviously still remains a big motivation for you. Yeah, I, I embrace it. I don't see why I'd say it isn't. And yeah, it is something that motivates me every day. And I, I openly like to say I do have one, yeah. So I, I try to use the benefits and the positives of it and, uh, we were meant to have Leicester now in the Champions Cup, but sadly, Matt O'Connor isn't the coach anymore. So it would have been, I was looking forward to playing them just because he was the coach of Leinster and stuff like that. So it is something that definitely motivates me. 
Yeah, Jesus, a few guys with, with targets in their back coons. <laughs> well, look, as you say, I mean, look, it's uh, these things, it's it's an interesting one, you know. I mean, um, I think it's probably a real natural thing, isn't it, to be, you know, when, when things haven't gone your way somewhere or, you know, you feel like you have, you've been, you know, someone someone just didn't, you didn't fit their eye or whatever. And I looked, I definitely had a few of those moments in my own playing career. And, you know, it, it can be a very satisfying feeling to, you know, go back. I always remember guys like, you know, Owen Redden and uh, um, who else was kind of had gone Sean abroad? Cronin. Yeah, exactly. Guys like Sean Cronin, they used to just get, I mean, they used to love playing Munster because, you know, they had been kind of shunned there and things hadn't gone well for them there. And they used to really get up for that game because they wanted to win it so badly. And um, yeah. it's not necessarily a hatred thing. It's more just, I think it's kind of proving something to yourself. Is, is that kind of where you where you sit with it? I was always where I sat with it a little bit. It was kind of, it was more about myself. I was like, you know, look, whatever they, they thought, I, I knew that this was that I was good enough to play there and here I am proving it playing really well against them and, and Ireland Argentina twenty fifteen. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Do, is yeah. that is it do you think it's more about that, John? Yeah, I think you kinda of nailed it there. Um obviously I have a lot of respect for Leinster and some of my best friends are there, like Noel Reed and stuff will be my best friends and I always want him to do well and doing as well as they can. So it's just personally for me, I'm just happy here and I enjoy playing Leinster even. I, I love Connacht and I love playing Connacht now as well. So I think you get to play your mates and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you're all competitive players and you're all competitive people. So, yeah, I kind of enjoy enjoy getting to play some of my friends and to play those big teams. Well, John, on that note, I think we'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me on. John, thanks, Emil, for coming on. I know it was uh, late enough notice, but uh, again, congrats on the winning kick on the weekend. That must be some feeling. Yeah, I should have got the first one, but yeah, I'll take the second one. <laughs> Don't worry, we weren't going to mention. No, fair play to you, and uh, look, best of luck with the move up there. It's great to hear you, uh, everything's going so well. Perfect, thanks a lot. Good chat to you. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening, and goodbye.